Yo. Hey. Hey. Also, hey. Hey, also. of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. It's hard to believe this is still happening. Uh, if, you've been, if you've been reading um, the site for the last couple weeks, you've seen that Jason Parks has been doing his team top tens. He's only seven teams in, uh, but on Monday, his seventh team um, was Minnesota Twins, and he revealed that they are, in his opinion, the best farm system in baseball. So we have him on to talk about that, to talk about the Twins, to talk about how they become a best farm system in baseball and whatever else. So, hi, Jason. Hi. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for uh, producing 331 podcasts. <laughs> You've listened to every one. Every single one. Every some, single morning. Some of them twice. All of them twice. <laughs> I can't get enough. <laughs> I can't get enough of baseball perspectives. I feel the same way. <laughs> uh, there's nothing better about a podcast than talking about itself. It's mm-hmm. it's always the best part of a podcast when you talk about it being a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been uh, <laughs> All right, so um, the Twins. Uh, well, the question I always have with um, you know with a top with a top farm system is, uh, did they do something to earn this? Did they do something to get there that? any other team wouldn't have done with the same personnel. Um, are they, is this a, a situation where they have the best uh, farm system because it's just sort of a collection of talent that um, coalesced, um, you know, as these things happen cyclically? Or is this a, uh, is this an organization that deserves a lot of credit for acquiring and developing the players that they have to the point that they're at right now? This organization deserves a lot of credit. And if you just go down the list of the, the top 10 in the system, it's not all a function of being the worst team in baseball. You know, um, yeah, maybe they got a little lucky that the best player in the draft fell to them in Buxton, but I think that you can make a case that Correa is no slouch, so I don't think that the Astros are losers there. But the Twins were in a good position because they weren't a very good team, but they, and they got to pick early, and a guy like Buxton fell to them. So no is a product of the Latin American market before the cap. They, were, they simply just outworked the competition, uh, Sano was probably the most sought-after uh, Latin American prospect in recent memory, and at least on the positional side. And every team in baseball wanted a chunk of him, and they were they were the team that was able to pull it off, despite you know Rene Gallo being in the mix. And Gallo can usually get what he wants. I mean, he's been in that market a long time, um, and so getting Sano was a big big deal. Um, the third-ranked prospect, Alex Myers, a guy that they flipped in a trade. You know, that's a guy that a six foot nine right-hander that, you know, at that level when he where he was at the time, that's a guy you can get rid of, but there it's high risk, high reward. And I think the Twins had good scouting on that. Cole Stewart is a guy that they got early on in the draft, but he wasn't one one. Although he could have been one one, 
a lot of people certainly thought he had that talent. But look at guys like uh, Yosemite Pinto or, you know, Eddie Rosario. Uh, these are guys that, you know, these weren't 1-1 one, one type of picks. You know, uh, these, these weren't one, these weren't, you know, seven figure Latin American signings. Keep going down the list. You have Australian guys on there. You have Puerto Rican guys on there. You have Dominican guys on there. This is an organization that knows how to acquire in just about every market. You know, the North American amateur market, the Latin American markets, the trade markets. Uh, this is a really good organization and this is a very, very deep system. So is that very uncommon for, for a farm system to be built this way, where it's just talent coming from everywhere? Or, you know, do most teams have a specialty where they're really good at drafting or they're really good at signing players from one particular country and then they don't really have the all-around acquisition skills that the that Minnesota seems to? Well, I mean, I think that luck is involved here because once you get a player in the developmental system, you know, it's going to take its own course. I mean, obviously you're going to put your hands on him and you're going to hope that he develops the way that you see fit, but it's also got to exist inside the player. So you can get lucky with, you know, a couple amateur players from the North American market really blowing up. And then all of a sudden you look like a team that knows how to develop that talent or knows how to acquire it. And maybe partially that's true, but um, I think that some teams depends on the cycle, but some teams are, are just, you know, they're better at acquiring Latin American talent or, you know, they're better at acquiring college players or they're better at acquiring high school players. They're a better track record here. Mm-hmm. This twin system, I mean, it's it's uh, it's not the most North American system in, mm-hmm. in baseball. I mean, you look at the top ten, Sano, uh, Pinto, Berrios, Rosario, Thorpe, Felix Jose, Jorge Polanco. These are guys that were were are, you know, either Puerto Rican or Dominican or from Australia. This is, they, they, their international scouting system is very, very good. And some of these guys have ridiculous ceilings. This is a, this is a system that's not just boom or bust. They have depth at every level. They have impact guys at every level. Um, and it's, some of these guys have some pretty safe feelings for being so-called boom or bust Latin American guys. I mean, you look at the, the Felix Jorge's or, you know, the Rosario's or the, or the Barrios's. These guys are not like flame out and low A type of guys. I mean, they're impact guys, even if they don't hit their ceiling. I, I mean, I just love this system. The deeper I went, the more talent I found. I could have ranked 20 guys and been happy with it. Yes, yeah, so I was going to ask, and I don't know how big the gap is between number one and, and whatever you think the number two system is, but I was going to ask what separates this system, whether it was the high ceiling talent or the depth of talent, and it, it sounds like it's just both of those things. Well, I mean, what's interesting about it, and um, the number two system in baseball for me, and I've, of course I haven't really gone through and ranked the systems yet, right. but the cursory look, I think that it's going to be Chicago, the Cubs. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually think that the Twins are kind of a perfect marriage between the Cubs' high-impact, limited depth, and the Houston Astros' big-time depth, not a ton of impact. Because mm-hmm. the Twins have it got the, it got the quality genes from both. It has the impact, and it has the depth. So it has, it has the depth of the Astros' system, and it has the impact of the Cubs' system. Everybody talks about the, the big four, the Cubs. Maybe you add in C.J. Edwards as an arm if you're really that high on him, which I'm not. But you still you still have those four guys, Soler, Bryant, Baez, and Almora in the Cubs system that are probably top 
30 guys, you know, four of the top 30 prospects in baseball. Mm-hmm. Well, look at the top of the Twins list. I mean, you have Buxton. He's the best prospect in baseball. He's one of the best prospects I've ever seen. Then you have Miguel Sano. He's a top 10 guy. You have Alex Meyer, who's a top 25, top 30 guy. Cole Stewart could have been 1-1 in this draft. You know, he's a top 50 guy. Yosemite Pinto is a guy that he's really under the prospect radar because – you know, he's an older guy, he's a six-year free agent type, and the bat started to come along. But this is a guy who plays at a premium position. You know, he's not an over-300 hitter like he showed at the major league level this year, but he can swing a bat, he can swing for power, he has good catch-and-throw skills, and he's a good receiver. That's a hell of a prospect. Mm-hmm. So how much does the the balance impact the ranking for you? Because you, you mentioned the Cubs at number two and the, the four top guys that you like the most are all position players, whereas... In the Minnesota system, you've got five pitchers, five position players in the top ten. Does that impact your your ranking of them at all? It doesn't, not one bit. I look at the talent as just talent. You know, if you showed me a system that had, you know, ten, you know, badass position players, but not a single good pitcher. Well, you know what? They still have, they still have ten badass prospects, and I'm going to judge it by that because it's, it's, they're all commodities. Mm-hmm. You know, the the Cubs could flip bias for just about anybody they wanted at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to go out and get an arm and compete? Well, you could flip bias, and trust me, you could get somebody to listen. Same with the Twins. I mean, you think if they dangled Buxton, they could get any pitcher they wanted? Mm-hmm. You know, it's all it's all currency, man. And so I don't really care. I just I look at the talent. I mean, look, from an organizational standpoint, you want to see depth just because you can promote from within. You don't have to use it as trades. Trades are risky because you're not you're trading for talent that you haven't been around, that you didn't procure in the first place, and that you can't speak on the makeup of. You know, but you can still make that trade. Now, would, would an organization prefer to have balance? Absolutely. Is it a necessity for me? It's, it doesn't even register. So, um, as far as developing these guys, I mean, that's a, a huge part of it, and I, I always want to ask this, and I don't know if 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 there is an answer, but I always want to ask if there's any sort of organizational philosophy that's you know unique to this club, or you know if not unique, at least kind of sets them apart from you know the other 29. Is there much variety between the the um, uh, the different organizations, or are they all pretty much uh, you know trying to do the same thing with players, and you know some just do it a little bit better here and there, and maybe have a better coach here and there, and you know maybe get a little lucky here and there, or can you distinguish? I can distinguish them. Um, I'm not sure that I can explain how I distinguish them, um, if that makes any sense. I think that ultimately it comes down to talent, and I'm not going to take credit away from developmental systems because they work their ass off. It's, it's, it's multi-tiered. It's very complicated. Uh, but ultimately it comes down to the talent. You know, The teams that acquire the best talent tend to develop the best talent. And so I think it starts with acquisition. And then it goes into a developmental program. Now, yeah, teams are different. Um, I think the Twins. I think the Twins are pretty good when it comes with pitchers. Um, they they're pretty slow. They 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 work on their mechanics. Um, they can take guys with stiff mechanics and add some fluidity to them. Um, you know, and then you take an organization that everybody talks about being the best in baseball, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, these are people that, from an acquisition standpoint, they look for latent velocity. They look for hitters that can square velocity. It's a fastball league, and they definitely 
go after guys who can produce with fastballs and can hit fastballs. Um, they get into the developmental system, and players are developed to be who they can be, not something that they cannot be. I think that there are developmental systems in baseball that try to develop players into something that they cannot possibly be to fit an organizational model. I think that that can be inherently flawed. I think that the Cardinals recognize that better than any team in baseball and develop players uh, with a specific program tailored to who they can be and what they can do and not the opposite. Which so And, and it's no wonder that they've excelled. So the thing I'm wondering about is that it, it seems like there's maybe less turnover in the Twins front office than in most front offices. It's like a it's like a lifetime appointment if you get a job. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a Supreme it's, Court. Right, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> so how how is it that the guys who've been around forever have learned some new tricks? Or I mean, if if you have guys who are just really good at finding talent, then why does the team ever go through a fallow period like they have lately? Have they just not had as much luck? Did they get away from whatever principles they followed in the past when they had good farm systems and then now again have good farm systems? If I mean, how does that work, do you think? Do you see, do you see that happening? I mean, that's a really good question, and I really wish I could answer that because if I could, I'd write a, really, I'd write a series of baseball perspectives and every team in baseball would love to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that... You know, I don't want to speak for the Twins because I can't get inside their head and I'm not in that front office, but, you know, uh, priorities change. Things shift. And sometimes winning at the major league level takes precedent. And, you know, before you know it, you're signing free agents and you're losing your first-round draft picks or, you know, the allocation of funds is more geared towards procurement at the major league level instead of the minor league level. And so when you go through periods of rebuilding – uh, that the ownership supports, then maybe you can put a little bit more time and resource into amateur procurement. You know, you can start building up the farm that way by looking to acquire high-feeling guys, you know, for like a, you know, you're getting rid of an outfielder that you don't need, you target a guy like Alex Meyer. Mm-hmm. Um, a contending team may not do that kind of stuff. A contending team may not allocate the resources that way. So I think it's, uh, you know, it's cyclical, but I also think that it just it's dependent on the climate at the major league level. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you about Lewis Thorpe specifically, um, who yeah. I hadn't heard of before this. Uh, he's 17 yeah. years old. He's the Australian yeah. you mentioned. Uh, he's a you know he's a lefty. He seems like he has a really high ceiling. You gave him an overall future potential of a number two starter. And mm-hmm. I actually don't have any idea what the Australian market is like. Um, are there are? I mean, it seems like it would be really hard to hide there because there aren't a lot of guys playing at a signable level. It doesn't seem to be. And yet the, the no. ones that make it over here tended somewhat, almost maybe outperform their numbers. So what is it like trying to get a guy like Thorpe? Are all 30 teams in on him just like they would be if he were Dominican? Is it a, is it a, a limited number of teams that are really investing there? How do, they, how do they find that guy? Who's he even playing against? All those questions. <laughs> well, I mean, he had been playing in uh, under-18 tournaments. Um, so and people were aware of who he was in the, in the industry. Now, whether you wanted to devote resource to really find that out is another story. And, I mean, every team was aware of his talent. Not every team was willing to invest in, in the process of evaluating that talent and then making a run at signing that talent. Um, the, the market is, you know, it's unpredictable. They're not playing at the same level of baseball. Um, 
you, you know, you, it's, a, it's going to be a slower developmental process. Teams have to know that going in. Uh, when it comes to a guy like uh, like Thorpe, um, he he really he really jumped up um, recently. He wasn't a guy that was 91 to 93 with a hammer and a changeup that he could turn over when he was you know 16 years old. Because if he, if, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're in Australia or you're in Nigeria or you're in India, if you're uh, a lefty who's 91 to 93 with a hammer and a changeup, people will find you. You know, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. Um, in his case, you know, he's still got a lot of room to grow, but his velocity spiked. And he really jumped up from a mid-80s type of guy to, you know, a guy who was like 86 to 88 at, at most to a guy who was 89, 93, touching higher. And then you look at his body and you're like, man, this guy's going to add more, isn't he? Um, and then so it, lo- it starts to look like a, a much more attractive package. You throw in the fact that he can throw strikes with all three pitches. He actually has a slider too, so he actually has four pitches, but the curveball's better. But uh, the reports out of the Gulf Coast League, this kid's a monster. Um, this kid is he, it's a precocious talent. He's advanced. He has good feel. Um, he's a smart kid. Um, you know, And the Twins have had some – you know, moderate success with players that come from untraditional markets with like Max Kepler coming from Germany. Uh, you know, he came stateside, went to the high school near the complex. You know, they focused on getting his high school education taken care of and then easing him into pro ball. I mean, he's not a high ceiling talent, but I mean, he's certainly an interesting talent. And I love the way that they've gone about being slow with his development. I mean, if Max Kepler were in the Rangers system, he'd probably be in AAA by now. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about him, right? Because he was ranked like eighth last year on last year's list. And then in, in your blurb on him, you wrote, you know, he'll move to full season ball and the biggest test of mm-hmm. his career. And uh, that happened. So I guess, so did he, he's not ranked this year. Did he fail that test? Did he get an incomplete on that test? Well, he didn't fail that test. I, I think that what happened as far as when you're just looking at this system you have guys like Felix Jorge and Jorge Polanco and, and, and Lewis Thorpe and Yosemio Pinto who have taken really, really big steps forward. Um, and now Kapler, here's the problem with, like, here's one of the problems with scouting is that you see a kid when he's a, a teenager and it's all hope and it's all rosy. And then they start getting some warts and you start to see that, oh, man, this first division guy is maybe a second division guy. And as he keeps going up the ladder, you're like, oh, maybe he's a fourth outfielder or maybe he's a platoon first baseman. And some of these realities started to come about with Kepler. I mean, his his body, he's a big kid, and he's an athletic kid. But he's not a middle-of-the-diamond type of guy, and his body is such that you know he may end up being just a better fit for first base long term, and that puts a lot of pressure on a bat that's not really a power bat like that. You know, um, it's a bat that looks really sexy in center but doesn't look quite as sexy in left and doesn't look sexy at all at first. So I think that as a player goes through the developmental process, you know, it just starts to chip away at the magic of them. You know, it's like a, it's like going on a blind date and, you know, and, and, and the girl's just smoking hot and you love everything about her and then you meet her parents and you start going through the whole process of dating. It's terrible. 
and then you just start to realize, oh man, this girl's a, a three. <laughs> Mort would put a three, or Mort wouldn't put a three on her. But... Um, uh, are are we going to start seeing a, a new type of Twins pitcher soon in the major leagues? Because <laughs> we've seen the you know the Brad Radke model of Twins pitcher forever. And and I, now I guess Ricky Nolasco is the latest guy that they're interested in. Like, <laughs> at what point? I mean, because it seems like they've they've started drafting and trading for guys who don't fit that mold, guys who throw hard and miss bats. So, at, at, but it seems like at the major league level, they're still sort of pursuing the the Kevin Correa types. I don't know where that that disconnect comes in, but at, at what point are we going to start seeing these people play for the Twins? <laughs> That's a good question, and it's funny. Um, you know, I, I don't even know how to answer, like, why they do it at the major league level. Maybe they can't acquire the guys who can miss bats. Maybe right. they, they found a market inefficiency here, and they, they go after guys who have really, you know, average at best K-9 ratios. Or I don't know. But, um, you know, looking at this system, uh, you know, Alex Meyer, there's some who think he can stick in the rotation. There's some who do not. Now, I, I don't really have a horse in the race, but I mean, he's a six foot nine guy, and just the truth of the matter is, it's kind of a paradox. This is what I wrote in the scouting report. He's got length for days, you know. He's got a really long extension, you know. He's releasing the ball closer to the plate than the average person, but he's also got that body to control, and so it can actually end up being more of a hindrance than a bonus for him. Um, I think that, you know, I don't know if he ends up in a rotation or or if he ends up as a closer, but Either way, he's going to miss bats, and a ton of them. A mm-hmm. um, guy like Jose Barrios, now, he's not a, a, your prototypical top-of-the-rotation type of guy. I mean, he's, he's about 5'11", maybe 6'. He's, you know, he's a strong guy, but, I mean, he's still 5'11", or 6 foot. And, you know, he's got a small margin for error because if he works up, you know, he flat planes, and it starts to, he starts to lose some of the magic in his fastball. So he's a fastball, curveball, changeup guy, and he's going to have to be able to hit the mark on all those to be able to move to the major league level. And even if he does, I you know I don't see a ton of bat missing stuff there at the major league level. Just a, a good pitcher. Move down the list a little bit, you get into a guy like Felix uh, Jorge. He has got the bat missing stuff. He could pitch, you know, but I mean that's also the type of guy, the type of profile that that guy ends up in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. So the honest answer is that. Help may not be on the way in that regard. I know that they have guys at the minor league level, like Cole Stewart. But, man, we don't know what Cole Stewart's going to look like in three years. Cole Stewart may look like, you know, a, a pitch-to-contact, low, you know, average strikeout guy when he reaches the major league level. Now, I wouldn't project that. But you don't know what's going to happen on a developmental journey. So I could look at all these live arms in the minor league system and say, yeah, these guys are bat missers. They're going to be bat missers. But just because they're bad missers now doesn't mean they're gonna be bad missers. Mm-hmm. Look at the look at a lot of the guys at the major league level now who don't have who don't miss a ton of bats. You know, I bet you at some point in their developmental process they actually did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, until they got to that level where they couldn't, where their stuff wasn't as sneaky, where hitters were a little smarter, where you couldn't set them up quite as well. I mean, major league hitters are good. And what's Trevor May's story? Whew. Um, I've seen him pitch a bunch, and he he frustrates the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. Here's this guy who's like six five, built like a horse, um, in like all the good ways, you know, big butt, big thighs, things that you want to see in a power pitcher. 
Um, I think that there might be some feel issues there. I mean, obviously there's a command issue, but and he he's one of those guys that really frustrates me because he's six foot five and he drops and drives, and it, it bothers the hell out of me because he loses, you know, his height advantage and he loses a lot of plane on his fastball. And I've seen him through ninety three, and uh, a guy who's never going to get out of double A tattooed, and that shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. And it's because he serves it on a flat plane plate. Um, he's got a good changeup. He's got a good. He's got two breaking balls that he can throw. The problem is, is he just doesn't have a ton of feel for pitching. He's just got a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, he's probably a back of the rotation horse, or maybe a seventh, eighth inning guy. But I mean, it's, feel is one of those things that I just you kind of have it or you don't. And maybe you can refine it a little bit. But if you don't have feel now at this stage of the game, you think he's just going to get it? Mm-hmm. I just it, it seems unlikely to me. Mm-hmm. So uh, it seems like there's sort of two waves of talent on the top ten for the Twins. There's there's guys who are just about ready, like we might see them next season, and then there's kind of a second wave, 2016, 2017. But if you're a, a Twins fan, sort of looking ahead to what's probably not going to be an incredibly successful season as far as wins and losses go, it still seems like there are quite a few reasons here just to watch the twins next year you have you have uh i mean pinto got there last year you'll you'll see more of him this year and then mm-hmm. you have buxton and sano and meyer and, and and rosario all with 2014 or late 2014 mm-hmm. etas so this isn't one of those cases where it's all projection and way far on the horizon we're going to start seeing these guys as soon as next year yeah, and you're going to see them struggle, especially the position guys. I mean, not Pinto. I think he's he's going to come back down to earth, but he's going to be able to hold his own at the major league level. I think that uh, after the summer, and you know, the Twins are probably going to be out of it, and the fan base is probably going to be angry. Well, the good news at that point is that you get to watch Miguel Sano at the major league level. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to watch Alex Meyer at the major league level. You might even get to see Rosario at the major league level, maybe towards September. Who knows? Maybe if he explodes, maybe you get to see Buston at the major league level. And um, wow, I mean that's cool. I don't care if you're a Twins fan or not. I mean people are going to tune in to watch Buston because you know unless you get you know unless you got to see him at the minor league level, you get to see him in the futures game, or were lucky enough to see him before he left the AFL. I mean <clears throat> you didn't, you're not going to get to see this kid, and he's really an electric talent. I know he gets compared to Trout. Um, I think that that's apt, and I also think that that's hyperbole at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think from a tool-based level, uh, he's he could be more gifted physically than Mike Trout, you know, as far as, like, his fast-twitch athleticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean he has the same kind of baseball aptitude or the same kind of you know, transition of tool to skill that Trout did because Trout is obviously a generational player. I'm not, I don't want to suggest that Buxton is, but he's electric, man. And it's special, and he doesn't even know what he's doing yet. And that's the coolest thing is that this guy went, you know, crushed in low A and went to the went to high A and more than held his own. And you have to think about it for a second that he's not even close to what he's going to be yet. This guy doesn't know how to hit for power yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, this guy can hit. I don't know if you ever saw that video that uh, one of the perfect game guys caught in Iowa. Um, 98-mile-an-hour fastball, and Buxton hit a grand slam to win the game. Mm. 
Boxing doesn't know how to do that on a regular basis yet. That's just kind of a natural reaction. Mm-hmm. He just kind of did that. Like that's that's something that pe- people just do. Like that's a normal action that you can just hit a 98 mile an hour fastball, you know, 450 feet for a grand slam. <laughs> he can do those sort of things. He's an he's an 80 grade runner. He could be a seven plus, maybe an eight center fielder. I mean, unlike Trout, he is a monster all-around five-tool guy. I mean, he's got a plus arm. He may not have the hit tool that Trout does. Um, the raw power may be there, though. Um, I had one scout, and I put this in the report, and put his floor as Tory Hunter. Like, that's bad. <laughs> I mean, that's a floor? <laughs> right. I mean, Tory Hunter is a monster player. I mean, look what he's produced over. He's like a 50-war player in his career. Mm-hmm. The scout followed that up with something that I didn't put in the report because it's not it's not fair. But I was like, okay, well, what's the ceiling? And he was like, hell, I don't know, Willie Mays. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell knows? <laughs> but it's 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 not going to be normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the Twins have that in the system, and that's not even counting like Miguel Sano, who. You know, Rene Dio, the scouting director for the Pirates, is a good friend of mine. He he told me that he's the finest player that he's ever scouted in Latin America in his 20 years, 20-plus years scouting. And he's the best all-around talent to come out of Latin America. And that's a huge fucking, you know, plateau to, 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 to get that from Rene Dio. And, man. Sano could be Sano could hit forty home runs at the major league level. It doesn't matter if he hits two fifty. So who's your guy then in this system? If you have a guy that we haven't talked about, or maybe even someone that you didn't rank just because there were so many guys ahead of him, but is there is there anyone you you had special feelings for that we haven't covered? Well, I mean, um, Gonzalez is a is a guy that I put on the rise. Um, he was a fourth round pick in 2013. He's a six foot four, six foot five lefty. Um, he fell to the fourth round because he had a pretty poor spring and because he had a, a very minor marijuana situation. And <laughs> <laughs> like, well, yeah. Um, and some teams, man, they just they really soured on him. Um, I think a, a lot of it had to do with the stuff, obviously ticking down, not not a lot of people seeing the projection. He's an over-the-top type of guy, so a lot of people didn't see the velocity coming. Um, and so they wrote him off. You you add the, the marijuana thing to it, and you start to you know, make up and the lack of stuff. Well, this is not somebody who's worthy of a first-round gamble. Um, well, he's ticked up, and he's starting to – the body's starting to look a lot better. The twins believe that they can, that they can get, you know, his mechanics in order. And, you know, they've, they've really done – Good work with Meyer as far as, far as like a long limb type of guy, getting him under control. I think that they feel that they could do the same with this kid. And, uh, you know, he's already been back up into the 90s, touching higher. Uh, he has a good changeup for his age. Um, the breaking ball is inconsistent. It's going to take some time. Um, from that higher slot, it's definitely probably better for a curveball, creates some steep plane and tumble. But uh, he's a guy that I think could be in the top 10 next year. I think that he's going to take a big step forward, and I think people are going to reevaluate what they were looking at when he was an amateur. Mm-hmm. Okay, my last question, I guess, is about your your expectations for a top system in baseball. What, what do you expect 
you know, not even necessarily out of this system, but just out of a number one system, what what should a, a fan of that team expect as far as how good the, the major league team is going to be down the road? Because I, I feel like some people maybe were were almost disappointed by the Royals not immediately becoming the best team in baseball when we <laughs> you know heard all the rave reviews of their farm system a few years ago. And, and I know you still think it's very strong, but the fact that yeah. some of those guys have had difficulty adjusting and some of them have gotten injured and you know, it, it wasn't just like flip the light switch and all these guys get there at the same time and the Royals are just immediately amazing. So what do you, I, I don't know, like this is often, I guess, a, a team with the best farm system, unless it's St. Louis, probably isn't really successful in the majors at the same time because that's really hard to do. So what what is your expectation for, I don't know, how many, how many wins a, a team that has the best farm system is going to get out of those prospects down the road? I don't look at it in terms of wins, but when I see a, a top 10, I'd like to think, well, if they can get one impact player out of that and three or four major league contributors, it's a huge win. Mm-hmm. It's a huge, huge win, and they can pat themselves on the back. You know, any year that you can look at a guy or look at a list and, and say, we can get one impact talent and you know two or three or maybe even four major league contributors out of that, you'll take that all day long. You know, and you know, looking back at that Royal system that I that I still think was the best system I'd ever seen. You know, they graduated a lot of those players to the majors. One of them just became the rookie of the year, and they used him to acquire a near top of the rotation arm in exchange. In, in addition to one of their other pitchers, he was a part of that class, or two of those other pitchers that were part of that class, and Odorizzi and Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I still believe in Hosmer a great deal. He started to show us this year, you know, a little bit more in the tank, a little bit more effort. Uh, I think that that's been kind of a big deal with some of those guys on that team, with Moustakis and, and Hosmer. There's, you know, there's not the – some of the, the locker room things have carried over. Um, it's not written about a lot, but, I mean, a lot of those guys had some more of a focus issue than anything else. Uh, the talent is there. It just took a maybe a crack of the whip, and they got got back into the in the, into the, the feel of the, the you know the focus of baseball, and a little bit more on the field, and a little bit less off the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, that a lot of those guys in that royal system, I mean, they became contributors to the major league squad. Now, you can argue that Myers became the impact guy, and they were able to acquire impact talent as a result. So, if you look at it just on my very broad you know, grading system, I think that it's been a huge success. So mo- most of the focus of this team, you know, as people are reading this, is going to be on the top two or it's going to be on the top ten. But, you know, like you say, it goes deep. And so my last question is, I'm just curious, if, if their farm system started at 11 and, and their top ten was, you know, their 11th through 20th, would that mm-hmm. be number? Th- would that be the number 30 organization in baseball or are they even no. better – they're still. They would still be uh, better than some teams' farm systems if you took away their top ten. If you ranked, and I didn't, but if I were to rank prospects eleven through twenty, the Minnesota Twins, that farm system, if that were their one to ten, would be better than the than the, than the Angels' system. It would be, in all likelihood, better than the Tigers' system. Um, there's a possibility they would be better than, you know, maybe the. 
athletic system. Now, what you're not getting there is like with the athletics and with the Tigers, you you have at least one impact guy there. And 11 to 20 in the, the Twins, you may not have an impact guy. What you may have is more like three or four major league contributors. Um, that said, I'm looking at that Angels list, and I don't know if they're going to get three or four, you know, quality major league contributors, non-reliever division. You know, I don't, I don't foresee that happening. Um, it's a really poor system. Uh, the 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 twin system is so deep that if I mean I didn't even rank a guy like Adam Brett Walker, who is all tools and rig, and who knows if he's ever going to put it together. But if he does, he could be, you know, he could be a first division type of guy. It's a long shot, but he could be a first division guy. I didn't rank Max Kepler, mm-hmm. you know. I didn't rank. I mean, they're on the rise guys. I could have gone. I could have gone six or seven deep, easy. But I had a long list of on the rise guys that I wanted to include on that with the twins. Their system is is nice. It's really, really good. And I would take their 11 through 20 over three or four farm systems in baseball. No question. All right. All right. Well, um, sounds good. We'll have maybe we'll have you on when they win uh, their first World Series with this core, and you can uh, you can pat yourself on the back. Um, thanks very much. And uh, of course, the series goes for uh, you know most of the off season, Ever. and they're they're. <laughs> Yeah, they're amazing. I, you're, I imagine, exhausted. You're, you're going. You're actually publishing at a, a better than fifty percent faster rate this year than you did last off season. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 that's probably going to slow a bit as we get to the holiday season because it tends to, to trip things up. But I mean, I, I've been wanting to keep a three team per week pace when, when, when applicable, and I think I'm going to be able to do that. I have a good system in place. I'm working ahead of time, and I'm not sleeping. <laughs> that always helps, I find. <laughs> yeah. That's how we do these things every day. Um, all right, so you can go to Baseball Prospectus uh, right now if you're listening on Monday and, and read the, the Twins' top ten. Uh, check back the rest of the week for, for more systems, and follow Jason at, at Professor Parks on Twitter. His, his new avatar is extremely wet. Uh, you were, <laughs> just got out of the shower, I think. Um, and, uh, and, and your podcast is, is coming back next month, right? If, if Mike Farron, uh, Mike Farron, if you're listening and want to know how to contact Jason, uh, you, <laughs> you, you can email me and I'll give you his, his contact info. We can make that happen. Good. I need somebody to work, uh, in between <laughs> me and Mike. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. All right. Thanks guys. It's hard to believe this is still happening. That, that should be the title of the the uh, the archive when you put it up. <laughs>